Hello everyone, welcome to the Jock and Journo show for another week. We've got a big episode lined up as always joining us. The captain of Collingwood, five-time All-Australian best and fairest winner, and is he hot to trot at the moment? 25 coaches votes, Scotty, in the past three weeks. You're on fire, brother. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you going? You got the uh, freeze, big freeze beanie on today. The MND great course for Neil Danaher, supporting that, obviously, this week ahead of the Melbourne game. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic cause, and um, you know it certainly adds a fair bit of atmosphere to the game, pre-game, with everyone going down the um, the slide into the ice bars. and be chilly, um, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think... Neil and his family would be, um, you know, extremely thrilled with the amount of awareness they've raised for the cause. And, um, you know, I lost my grandfather to the disease, uh, I think, about 18 months ago. So um, certainly something that I think the football world really gets behind. And, um, yeah, it's a fantastic cause to be a part of. A great cause in footy. And our wonderful producer here, uh, the man of the people, Braden Cox. Coco, how are you today, buddy? Doing really well, actually. Got into work early. Did a nice fitness regime. I'm, I'm bubbly and ready to go. No, you look ripped, mate. That's great. <laughs> hey, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We want to talk about interstate venues, mate, and what it's like life on the road. How, uh, how much do you, do you watch the footy? Do you, uh, what, what, what you get up to uh, on the road? About midfield uh, combinations, of course, yourself and Adam Trelaw, a very strong uh, midfield combination. And a bit about services in the AFL. So heaps on painkillers later as well. But, mate, it's a great win at the weekend. The Pies have won four out of their last six, three in a row. you got some good form happening and uh, a good win over the Dockers. But what's it like, mate? You go over to Perth two days earlier, train on the surface um, in preparation for the game against Fremantle. What on earth do you get up to in the 48 hours outside of the time you're not training or playing? Well, it's actually quite boring life on the road. <laughs> so um, the first thing you do also... For, for Perth, we do it a little bit differently. Guys have got the option to go two days before or the day before. Yep. So the group splits up and half go two days before. Um, Where do you go, two days? I went the day before. Now with Jack. Yeah. So, and I actually enjoyed that. You feel, Change your routine. Yeah. You feel, I just felt like it was better, you know, get in. It was just business. Get in, get out. We left, a few of us left eight o'clock after the game. So played 2.40 Perth time, um, you know, siren went, ice bars, whatever. Jumped on the bus straight to the airport back home by 1.30 so um, 1.30 a.m. Monday morning probably home by 2.33 a.m. straight straight to Jack's he's a bit upset and mm-hmm. he wanted to see his old man and um, and then a few boys though stayed Monday in Perth in and Perth. come back Monday night so um, yeah we you pretty much get in and you go straight to the common room to see there's a table tennis table or pool table or something that you can be competitive at so yeah. table tennis table is heavily featured and I so I'd, how I'd follow, feisty does, it get, does that get well like for me, I was sweating in some of the games I was playing, like full sweat, like back sweat. Um, yeah, you just, we're competitive. We don't want to lose. How, how long? I was poor on the on the weekend. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I wasn't. I couldn't finish well. Probably similar to how we're playing at the moment with our goal kicking. But mm-hmm. I was in a lot of close games. I lost lost a lot of games, twenty to twenty two. Braden Maynard was pretty handy. Jeremy Howe was he, in some rare form. I've played you, and you are an exceptional. I I think I'm okay, and you absolutely obliterated me. So Braden and yeah, Jeremy must be yeah, they're they're pretty handy. Top shelf. So Anthony Rocker, one of his assistant coaches now, he's very good. So, but really, the life on the road is a matter of you check out when the meal times are. So yep. breakfast, lunch, dinner, and the snacks. And you pretty much eat, then you sleep. And you wait for the next meal time, then you go eat again, and you go play table tennis for a bit. Mm. Is it hard waiting. to combat the, bo- the boredom of it all? Like, um, does it get tedious? Well, sad- Saturday night, the girls' netball game was on here. I don't know yep. if you tuned in, but it was an absolute thriller. Our girls end up going down by 
one point with about five seconds to go and they couldn't score. But we were watching that. So all the boys sitting there having dinner, watching that. And then usually they put the footy on the big screen so you can stay in that common room with everyone and mm-hmm. have a bit of a yarn and, and watch the footy. So And talk footy or...? Um, no, you don't really talk footy. You're just watching the game and, and chilling out. Some guys, um, Tim Broomhead brought his Xbox over. So he's in... Just any clothes or just his Xbox? Just pretty much his Xbox and his footy shorts. <laughs> and um, they play FIFA and you can hear the guys that play FIFA. It's highly competitive. That's the uh, South Australian guys. Different breed. Different breed. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've just discovered the Xbox, the SA boys. Well, it team. just got there. It yeah, just got just to Adelaide. Got to, nah, so <laughs> they, but FIFA's... Very competitive at this club, like every club. Mm. What's so. the weirdest thing you've seen on the road? Like, what did anyone have do anything in particularly strange or well, most memorable the, sort of on the road experience? Well, I had a bad one. We went to Utah for a training camp, yeah. And before we left, because I sleep with a, a fan next to the bed, mm-hmm. um, I had to pack my fan to go to Utah, and it made it the whole way. And I had to check every leg to see if it wasn't. I was really nervous it'd be broken. Mate, the whole way, got to the front of the hotel and the bus guy just grabbed my bag and just launched it and I heard it crack. Oh, so flat. Oh, it was so flat. I, I don't reckon I slept for three weeks. <laughs> I can't sleep without the fan. I hate, like, just silence. Really? You um, can't? Th- and then Brent McCaffer took a PlayStation over there. To, so he travelled the whole way with the PlayStation in his backpack. Surely you can you can buy a fan over there. That's you, can't, you can't buy a fan in Utah when it's, like, minus degrees everywhere. That, I did my research. It's not normal. What was around. Why do you need a fan there? Oh, I don't know. I just do. Helps me sleep. Just last one on this. Do you think it's important to um, to sort of switch off from footy or to guys go over, um, you know, interstate and, I don't know, with the game on the night before, do, do some players like specifically try and yeah, I think, avoid the, the I footy chat? I think guys are actually, footy chat? everyone's really individual. And I know for me, you know, I can't wait for footy tomorrow night. Like I love Thursday night footy. And, yeah. Um, you, so you love, you yeah, watch so heaps, watch, yeah. watch it heaps. And, yeah. um, you know, even on the way home, on the weekend, like I, it helps me debrief. And I've mentioned this before, but I will watch the game on the flight home from Perth, a mm. eh, because the flight goes a hell of a lot quicker when you're watching the game, and you also get to see what what we did well and stuff that you know we can work on. And but then some guys don't go near it. Yeah, last thing. Yeah. Oh, they just no interest in. So who's footy. that? Um, Who doesn't want it? Well, I don't think Darcy Moore watches very. He actually like most Saturdays if we train, he has to ask who played the night before. Like he just has got mm. no interest in it. Yeah, um, Brody Grundy's similar to that. Yeah, um, and I think they they probably pick and choose. You know, there might be a game that they want to watch, but they're not overly fussed if they miss it. Where, you know, for say like guys like me, Trelaw, Taylor Adams, Sidey, mm-hmm. like we actually make sure we're home or can watch it. So you yeah. get in, you get in um, from the the Perth flight. It's yeah. two thirty. You see Jacks. When did you get to sleep? Oh, I didn't. I didn't sleep. So, um, wow. Why yeah. is that? Just because you're I don't so dull. Yeah, I don't know. Sore? I just, yeah, I was actually I was really sore after the game. Um, you know, we all mentioned coming in yesterday for training, like how hard that must be for the Perth guys to do that every second or third week to to make that trip. And um, yeah, just the flying on your back, and you know you're so sore, but you just sit still for four hours. And you know we're advised to to get up every twenty thirty minutes and go for a walk on the plane and really? try and do some stretching or something like that. So um, yeah, it's an incredible effort they do what they do. Much longer ground, um, Domain Stadium. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Simmons Stadium down there at Geelong as well. How, how much of a difference is when you play from the MCG to these skinnier, longer grounds? How much do you change up your game style? Um, we don't change it too much, but it's definitely something that you have to address. So, um, you know, at, at Domain Stadium, 
Whereas at the MCG, you might need two or three kicks to switch the ball at, at domain. You can just go straight across and switch the footy. And mm-hmm. um, I think by having the ability to train, like we train on all the grounds we go play out interstate. Yep. Um, and we just spend half an hour, 45 minutes the night before, yeah. just getting familiar with the ground and having a look and getting so used doing to specific the specific drills. Or? Oh, not really. Just getting used to to the ground and having set shots at both ends. And um, yeah, it's it's certainly different and. Um, but, you know, I think every club would say you want to have a game style that stands up no matter where you play. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. The Perth Stadium is going to be five metres longer than the MCG, not as long as um, Subiaco, where it is now. So it is going to be shorter, yeah. uh, but not the specific dimensions yeah. of the MCG. It probably feels weird for listeners to think like the grounds are different. But from over there, like the back of the square to the 50 is a good long way, yeah. 15, 20 metres away. Yeah. And it does, it throws you out. Like I know on the weekend... For me, one of the points I kicked on the weekend, I sort of went through the back of the square and I was ready to have a shot and I thought, oh, I've got like another 15 metres, I've got to run here to get yeah. to within 50 and yeah. um, that's why I kicked the point, I think. So. <laughs> we have been pumping up your ability to kick oh, goals missed, on the run. Yeah, well, I actually hit my set shot on the weekend and missed two sitters on the run and a snap from 15 metres out. So, What about um, what about Eddie had? Because you do hear a lot of players talk about they pull up much sore. Um, you know, an extra day recovery from their games that he had. And clubs who play there all the time, St Kilda, Essendon, you know, they factor that into their um, recovery uh, program. How do you find Etihad Stadium? And what is it? what do they mean by it's a fast surface? What the hell does that mean? Is it anything to do with the lack of wind or the length of grass? Why is it a fast surface? Um, yeah, it's probably like the, for me, the, one of the hardest grounds to get used to playing at because it's such a quick game there all the time. It just feels so like... So what, what, what do you... Why? So from... It almost feels like from your kick out, if you get two direct kicks down the middle, mm. you're probably to the top of your goal square. It's so easy to get from one end of the ground to so the it's other. Shorter. It feels shorter. I don't know if it actually it is, is much shorter than the MCG, but I think it is. like the width, perfect conditions. Um, it is a quick deck. Everyone plays fast footy there because it's you always feel like you're sort of one kick or one handball away from being in attacking position. So the yeah. game's always sped up there. So um, and you know, in it, another one that I find interesting and it's probably the same as the Gabba as well the ground all meets in the middle so mm-hmm. like if you're standing in the middle everywhere else feels like it's slightly downhill so you're the king of the castle in the yeah like square. if you're standing in the center square everything else feels slightly downhill and as you know as i said before it probably feels weird hearing that as a listener but you know the mcg adelaide oval domain very sort of flat grounds yeah um yeah where the Gabba um eddie had is that yeah it all sort of meets in the middle do you feel um, watching f- watching footy though? Like mm. I've gone to a few games that Eddie had, and you as a fan, I reckon that's probably one of the better grounds to watch footy at because you're just so on Close. top of it. Yeah, you know, the stands are on top of each other, so it's a great. My missus loves going to Eddie had. Yeah, well, <laughs> just because it's I don't know, it's probably warm indoors. Before, yeah. yeah. Um, and do you feel like some grounds are, are genuinely hostile? Like, what's the most hostile place to play that you've played at in your career? Where uh, you know it's the old Adelaide Oval. Intimidating. It was just. The Adelaide and Port Adelaide fans, yeah. Like, like I feel old saying this, but when you used to come off, you used to walk the boundary with like the the head trainer, and then you'd walk back and you'd walk 15, 20 meters out along the I'd crowd like people line. from Port Adelaide just like spit at me, oh, like no. lob beer at me. Like, this is when I was like 19, 20, and um, but I found it funny. Like there's, the atmosphere is just unbelievable. Like they're ruthless. Yeah. Like just giving it to you, and you can't can't even say some of the stuff they. What's a sledge? What's a sledge you've got from well, over the fence? You can imagine. Or, what, what, like, anything amu- particularly pendles, amusing? Beep, beep, beep. You're not very good at footy. <laughs> it's just 
Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, well, mate. They, <laughs> that's next and it's level. half of it, that it doesn't even make sense, but they're just going at you. Yeah. Speak a different you, you could different be, language. You could have the best game of all time and they'd come off and they'd just give it to you. Yeah. So it's good. I like that yeah. engagement. Yeah, it's good. So but you can you, just look at them, give them a smile, give them a wink or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it just adds to the atmosphere. Anything funny you've caught from over the fence or not really? Um, no. On the weekend, someone said... To, like yelled out to me like Maynard your shit I found, was, <laughs> found that was pretty amusing so I was like I just I made sure I passed it on to Bruzzy when I got out there <laughs> yeah. you're such an easy target with your beard at the moment yeah, can't I believe know. they didn't get it yeah it's not coming along well is it <laughs> you took on Nat Fife at the weekend he's been a much uh, discussed player and you spent a lot of time on why the, uh, why has he been discussed for well I yeah, guess why, after his um, badly broken leg last year he hasn't had well, the same he, he broke it twice didn't he yeah this is his second time yeah. but he did miss the bulk of last year yeah um, right, the story at the weekend that St Kilda is out of the chase for him. I certainly expect him to re-sign um, at Fremantle and that could be done um, soon. So I guess at the start of the year he was talked about as almost the number one target. But that's really changed. Wayne Carey said he's not in the best 10 midfielders in the competition. Dennis Committee said he didn't think he was in the top 25 midfielders in the competition. 11 rounds in, he's polled. He's got received coaches' votes in only three games, so 14 votes. Yep. Um, what was it? Um, Selwood, I think, is on the lead on 54 or something like that now. You played on him. Yeah. How do you think he's travelling? Um, well, certainly going in, um, like I, I wanted to try and get that Fife match up as much as I could on the weekend. Awesome. Um, oh, just with Sanderlands and um, wanting ads to use his ability to get, um, you know, break away from stoppage and not have to be as concerned about playing on Fife and with Sanderlands he's sort of the main Sanderlands missing well with with Sanderlands playing expecting that Fife's usually the main go-to target oh, around yep. the ground mm-hmm. um, you know I thought probably better for me to try and take that match up and let ads have that freedom to run hunt the footy and get after it a bit more so, so selfless Scotty oh not really and, and too like it's exciting knowing you're going to get that match up so yeah. uh, I was slightly relieved when I knew Sanderlands wasn't playing <laughs> so um, and, and for those their midfield as well it is an adjustment because you go from having like a clear dominant ruckman to Going back to sort of 50-50 footy, and um, yeah, we thought Brody was um, really strong on the weekend and was able to get the better in the hit out. So it probably makes um, their midfield and five have to think about you a little bit more. And um, but he's certainly very strong around the stoppages. He's he's a real bull around those. Yeah. And, um, and then the he's other one having the run. That's the probably the he doesn't seem to be as den- externally. My yeah. view is that he doesn't seem to be having that sort of. Um, you know, dynamic edge to his game, and you know he used to probably used to be more of a real wrecking ball and hit things with real power and contest. Yeah. And his kicking probably doesn't look like it's got the, um, the, the maybe the precision or the slickness um, that it had. I mean, he's never been an amazing kick, but I think this year probably that's been queried more more than anything um, as well. So um, it's an interesting point in his career. Yeah, well, I certainly can vouch on the weekend that he runs hard. Yep, in between stoppages and. Um, yeah, and if you're playing against him, you know you've got to work because he works hard and not every game, though, you're going to get the footy. So, um, you know, I think as a player, you can't just work when it's going your way and certainly on the weekend, like I knew I was have to work hard. And the other thing he does really well is he positions himself really smartly down the line so he can run and jump and try and fly for, for marks and come across the pack. So, Marking target. Um, yeah, I was aware of that. Um, going into the game that I'd have to do a little bit of aerial stuff or try and keep him grounded and I wasn't looking forward to you that like the aerial it's, not, stuff. <laughs> it's not my strongest suit <laughs> I reckon I had hands on a couple on the weekend but for some reason they just don't stick so 
Um, yeah, I certainly rate him very highly. Um, midfield combinations have been a big talking point this week with the Geelong uh, duo, Patrick Dangerfield and Joel Selwood, very high in Brownlow medal betting um, at the moment and just continued to help Will the Cats over the line, especially in tight um, situations. Joel Selwood, our man, we've had him on the podcast earlier. Um, yeah, his, his leadership and toughness receives the cut to the head, keeps playing. Um, it was a fantastic um, effort. But yourself and your combination, your partnership with um, Adam Trelaw, how significant has that been, getting him to the club? And how much have you appreciated You know his skill set, his running? How much has it enhanced the Collingwood midfield? Oh, he certainly had. He had something that this midfield hasn't had for a long time, I don't think. And, What's um, that? Oh, that? Just that real outside speed and... Um, his hunt around the contest is really strong as well. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with Swanee for a large portion of, of his career. And um, they're probably a little bit similar in that regard, but Ads is, you know, Swanee was very quick, but Ads is next level fast. So um, he's added so much to this group. And I think opposition, you know, really have to account for him every week because if they don't, um, you know, he's good for probably 35 and probably three or four shots on goal. And it's interesting that it's the main midfield combinations have all got a slightly different bedge, uh, edge. Excuse me. So the Tigers, Dusty Martin and Trent Cochin, I think they're really high in metres gained, and this is in the Herald, the Herald Sun, whereas you know yourself... Think, and, you know what I think of metres gained. Oh, I know. You've got a very strong view that it's a junk stat. I learnt my lesson there. Um, scoreboard involvements is where yourself and Adam Trelaw are really high. So I think you're third in the league for scoreboard involvements, which suggests that your possessions are having a big impact, um, clearly, in hitting the scoreboard. And I think that the Cats' um, go-to or their strength is clearly the contested ball and their work around the stoppage. And uh, that's where they're absolutely contested yep. balls, um, those two. But when Adam Trelaw came to the club, did you play much of a role in getting – did you have a chat with him? Um, yeah, I, I spoke to him uh, probably once or twice. when He just, he just wanted to know about the club. Yeah. Um, in and season that was after season? After the season. And that was his call to um, – he wanted to speak to me and yeah, I was more than happy to, to have a chat and yeah. discuss what I thought, you know, our playing list was at, our coaches and um, certainly was really keen He's to role. get him on, on yeah. board and where I thought he would fit in and um, also get some, you know, stuff from him and what he wanted to do and mm. stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And mind you, I think when you talk about these duos or Brownlow betting for players, it, I don't really give a rat's toss bag about it. What do you mean? Well, it doesn't matter. Like two players can play really well, and um, mm. it's all—it's more than just Collective. mean ads or Selwood and Paddy Dangerfield. What kind of year is Taylor Adams having? He'd, he'd be having his best year as an AFL player. Yeah, he's been super important every week. He's—I um, think he gets pigeonholed a little bit as just sort of like a hard at it grunt player, um, but his run on the outside is one of the better runners at the club on the outside here he, get, right? he certainly gets to as many contests as anyone at this football club and um but you know like watching Geelong you certainly admire the way Paddy Dangerfield and um Joel go about it and then you know but there's Mitch Duncan who's had a really good year and has been super important and Scott Selwood comes in and has 40 tackles in three weeks or whatever it is so you need guys to complement your strength so yeah. um you know, I think that's why you talk about midfield groups, not just two players. And we certainly never, ever talk about going out there to be a star. It's just play your role in the group. Of course, Tay Adams um, stirred the pot this week um, in talk. He's comments un- about... unintentionally, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, he said, um, he said that Lyndon Dunn basically hasn't been at a successful club um, in Melbourne. And then Bernie Vince had a crack back and said, well, 
you know, how successful is your club, uh, Taylor? Meaning um, Collingwood. Ooh. What do you, what do you, yeah, what do you make of all that, mate? Is that, a, is that, is that good banter? Does he need to think wind it um, back a bit? No, I think it's like it, it is good banter. I think it creates a bit of interest in the game, a bit more interest, and it doesn't mean anything when you get out on the ground. I don't think it, no player's going to try a little bit harder. Maybe if the high ball goes to Tay and Bernie's around, he might try and. <laughs> Get him, and I'm sure Tay will try and get Bernie if the same thing happened. But yeah, it's just, it adds a little bit to the game, and it's almost like you know, sort of boxing when people promote the fight and it builds hype and interest. And you know, if you get a few extra fans there, to think there's going to be a melee or something, and might be worth it. But yeah, as I said, no, no side's going to go out there and try extra harder because of a comment a player said from another side. You said you don't focus on the duos, but w- what about the nicknames? You focus on the nicknames. So what you and Ads are. Pendelore, uh, Cochin and Dusty are Mochin. Not, not a fan of that one. And <laughs> Hot Mocker. <laughs> and Dangerwood. You had a suggestion before. What, uh, Jay, what, what did you want to go with? The well, uh, Pendles, and, Pendles and Ads? Well, like Trendleberry. What about um, all like <laughs> Trendleberry? Hot, that's a good one. That's, that's not bad. That's Cochin and Martin. Why wouldn't their last name just be Martin? Like their name be Martin. Oh, that's boring. Well, Cochin. Yeah. yeah. Iron, Martin, no, Martin. We, we, should be Crotchin. Crotchin. Hey, um, can we talk about Gary Ablett for a second? He's been the big talking point this week in terms of his trade worth. He's looking like he's on track for his ninth All-Australian jumper. He was criticised early for his form, but certainly has racked up some big numbers in the past couple of weeks. Well, if you were, Let's play list manager for a second. If you were the Cats, what would you be prepared to give up for... Um, Gary Ablett, and if you were Gold Coast, um, what do you think would be a fair deal from their perspective? Because if I'm the Cats, for example, I'm thinking third round pick. He maybe have two years left in him, go to Geelong, play forward, maybe win a common. He'd kick a couple of goals a game on a half forward flank, I'm sure. You know, 400, 450 grand a year, I think. What would, what would, what do you think's fair darts for Gary Ablett in trade terms? I know you like this trade stuff. Oh, third his round value's going up, not? isn't it? If yeah, you think that he's in line for his. All-Australian ninth time or whatever it is. So yep. his form's improved as the year's gone on. He's got better and better um, each week. And um, But then again, I suppose from Geelong's point of view, they're sitting second on the ladder, playing some really good footy, as we've spoken about numerous amounts of time on this show, that yep. I don't think it's as important to bring like, the superstar player back into sides. I don't know how much of a difference it really does make. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something that will be interesting if it does play out. If I was Gold Coast, I'd be... Really trying to hang on to him. Why is that? I think because he doesn't. Gary, want to, I think having Gary Ablett around a group of young guys who he doesn't want to, doesn't want to be there. Yeah, but he's so super professional. He trains the right way, um, recovers you know as well as anyone that I've seen. And I've only done a little bit of stuff with Gary, but um, professionalism is is up there with some of the best I've seen. So you feel Gold Coast, you want to keep him. What if he doesn't want to doesn't want to be there? Um, he well, he's, he's there at the July. moment. He wants, yeah. he wants to go home last year and he's playing good footy. So Contracted? Yeah, and it's a bit like the, the NRL stuff where you know players still play even though they're going to go. But he wanted to go last year according to the media reports and yep. he's playing good footy at the moment up there. So, so he, he hasn't let it affect him. Mm. So if it happens again next year, I'm not sure he's going to turn up his toes and just retire. Is it more that just it's the media fairy tale that he goes back to oh, it might be It might be his fairy tale. It might be his dream to finish at Geelong. So it's all stuff that... You don't know, and you know he's as I said, he's a super, 
super good um, player and he's a great person. So I think he'd be open with the Gold Coast and Geelong and if they want to do it, they'll do it. The difficulty in this part is if he wants to go home for family reasons or personal circumstances, wants to be closer with his brother and his sisters That's down right. there and his family, that's the really difficult from an AFLPA perspective as yeah. well. Can Gold Coast stand in this man's way? Um, I know he is contracted, but it's a re- it's going to be a really interesting episode for the whole yeah. industry. And I think two people would forget, though, that if he does want to go home, he'll be taking a big pay cut to do that. Mm-hmm. So he is giving up something, so he must really want to get home. So, And then Geelong will have to give up something of worth that the Gold Coast want. Mm. I don't think they're going to give up a first or second round pick, so it's going to be a real start. So then it could, be like, it could be just like the Bryce Gibbs scenario then. Gold yeah, Coast that, just don't relent. And that's where Gary has raised the prospect of retirement. Um, to bow out of the game, and if that's what he, if he has to sit out of the game for a year, then maybe that has to be um, what's going to happen. Hey, Tyson Goldstack, you've been a great mate for his uh, of his for a long time. It was one of the all-time courageous performances I thought of the weekend, playing with a fractured scapula throughout the whole second half. Um, well, he, he did it in the first quarter. Was it in the first quarter? He did it in the first quarter. So if you go, if you went back and had a look at some of his contests, even. Late in the first quarter, second quarter, you see him flying just with one arm. He's only could use his left arm, and the coaches picked up on it at about half time. Yeah, because the medical staff told him, and we had to try and figure a way out of like, how can we keep him going? Because Wales, he went down in the third. Levi got that massive corky. You know, Jamie hurt his ankle, so we needed like someone to play in rotation. So I think at the end of the game, our forward, line, our forward line by the end of the game was like Goldie on like. One arm, yeah. Levi on one leg, yeah. and like I thought it was a both both guys were super courageous to to keep going, especially Goldie, like playing with a fractured scapula, he couldn't even lift his arm up, and you should see like there's times he gets tackled and he can't even get himself up off the ground. He needs a, somebody to pick him up. So um, his ability to to stay out there was a massive reason why we won that game of footy by just getting us a few more rotations. So you've been playing 248 games. Is that one of the most courageous performances you've seen? Yeah. Yeah, easily. You think of anything better than that? Um, no, no. Could be the most courageous yeah. effort. Oh, it is. I think it was. The thing there was one marking contest where he just basically flung his body. Yeah, it was funny talking to him at the at the. Um, There's a ground ball too where in the third quarter it landed right in front of him, and he had to go and he went and he sort of got it and he just got dumped on his shoulder and yeah. you can just oh, see him like he just stays down on one knee. Yeah, for just ages. wincing in pain and. But that that um, was the thing. He kept winning contests. Yeah, well, he kept the ball kept following him. Yeah, so he was almost like. I think he was just trying to occupy a Fremantle defender and not let them Be just have a loose or yeah. whatever. But for some reason, by doing that, his leading patterns or whatever kept drawing the footy. And um, it's quite funny. And he said, you know, if I had two good arms, I probably could kick three. <laughs> Jordy did him no favours out on the wing where he popped that one right oh, yeah, up yeah, above yeah. him. I kicked, I kicked one to him and as I looked over to him, he was like telling me to kick it low so he could mark it. And I was sort of like, yeah, I sort of forgot that he couldn't get his arms up. Was it addressed at halftime? With Goldie, yeah, like, um, like with the coach staff. So look, no, nah, they didn't say it to the players, um, but I think most of the guys knew. I said to Tay at one stage, "Jesus, have a look at Goldie! Like Goldie's running on the field, and cool. he had one arm pretty much stuck to his body and just swinging his other arm. I'm surprised he wasn't running around in a circle." Um, yeah, so we didn't didn't address it. But you certainly knew that he was sore after um, the game. Oh, after the game, everyone knew straight away. Yeah, um, but you know, you could tell. There's all those little moments where you see him can barely get up or can't lift his arm up or, you know, even a couple of contests in the second quarter. I was like, mark it. But he's just, he can't, he couldn't get his arm up. He had to spoil balls just with one arm. And yeah. He was defending players with one arm. It's a fair, fair effort. I think, and he's, and he's, fra- his scapula is dead set broken, isn't it? Yeah, like, fractured scapula. The, the, the x-ray, yeah. you can see there's a yeah, clean yeah. break in his yeah. 
shoulder blade, really, yep. which is unbelievable. He said that someone tried to pick him up off the ground with his cooked arm. Uh, oh, no. That's, yeah. Geez, yeah. <laughs> Look it's after him. It's not ideal. What did you say to him after the game? To Goldie? Yeah. Oh, I just said I was super proud of him. Yeah. His ability to hang in there and, and help the team out it was unbelievable. There's a guy at the start of the year I didn't know whether he was in your best 22 or not. I he's think having he's, his best, he's had best, his best year, year. Oh. ever in the AFL. And I know he's been in, injury interrupted and whatnot, but he put a full preseason together and it's no surprises that he's playing as well as he's playing. And early in the Fremantle game, he was on fire again. <laughs> but yeah, then he had that injury. He's never done the 2K time trial, ever. He's no, he did one so this injured. year. did one this year, this late year. this year, yeah. So that, so, that was I don't even think they recorded his time. I just gave him a massive thumbs up for just doing one. <laughs> Congrats. It was more like a participation award. Well Should have had like a little banner at the end that he could yeah, run yeah. through and celebrate. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, Painkillers, a uh, story in the Herald Sun today, uh, really highlighting um, how much these are used in football, probably behind the curtain, and, um, and some warnings about uh, how it can live with you for the rest of your life, really, because um, when players like Adam Cooney, uh, Mick McGuan, Dermot Brereton sort of rely on them to get up eat, week in, week out, they can potentially be doing quite severe damage to their body. Um, no idea whether Tyson Goldsack had one at the weekend. It would be pretty astonishing if he didn't. Um, what's your view on painkillers, um, mate? You don't strike me as a huge fan of them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably fortunate that I haven't been in the situation. I haven't had too many in-game injuries and, um, yeah, touch wood. But there's been a couple of times I remember in Sydney, um, I did my medial ligament in my knee. I just felt like... Felt like a little pop in it, like someone slid in, my leg stayed underneath, I went over the top and um, we come off and yeah, they, they certainly try everything they can to get you back out there. We strapped it up, went for a run, just felt loose and they talk about those injections. Um, yeah, but my view's always sort of been if I if I physically can't go and I need something to take the pain completely away, like how much more damage am I gonna do to myself? And you know, I think I've got a reasonably high pain threshold and I can play through things, but I don't want to unnecessarily do it because I don't know how bad it's it can be down the track and I don't think anyone knows how bad it can be down the track so you know I've certainly taken like Panadol or Panadine or whatever throughout games and to minimize pain I just don't like the idea of completely taking away sensational feeling in a body part because mm. I sort of like to know that if I'm in pain I'm in pain for a reason because yeah. it's not working and it can be dangerous if yeah. you can't and I, and I think too you know say if it was like a knee or a leg you can't feel that. Like, how much extra pressure are you putting on your hamstring? Like, will your hamstring go or will your calf go or Good point. something like that? So I'd rather just, you know, like, I think there was one late last year against Richmond where I rolled my ankle and tried to get out there and we spoke about injecting it late in the game so I could get back out there and I just sort of made the call that um, mm. I didn't want to because I didn't want to do extra damage to it. Was that broken in the in your ankle? No, no, no. I ended up playing the next week, so I was probably just a bit of carry on from me. And um, yeah, it's, that's just my personal preference. And I think everyone is different. And um, you know, there's certain certain things that you know you can get through with injections, and certain things that you can't. And you know, I read Adam Cooney's thing about taking X amount of painkilling tablets just to train, just to play. And um, you know, I'm certainly not in that situation. And um, yeah, so it, how many, it would take a toll. So how many jabs have you had? Oh, I'd be under ten in my career. And when was the last one you had? Oh, I don't know, two years ago maybe. Yeah. And you are you basically the opinion now? No, so like yeah, sometimes you might get a bit of cortisone throughout the week right. to help free um, up. A, yeah. So I actually I had had one early in this year. I think maybe around two or three in between there. A bit of ankle impingement, a bit of bone on bone catching or whatever that it was that the scan showed, and just 
had a little bit of cortisone in that just to free that up. Um, mm -hmm. and that's like, not that, yeah, that's not a painkiller, is isn't it? it? No. I don't know. No. Um, yeah, but so that certainly helped free it up. But I'd, yeah, the idea of getting that in game to take away the pain completely, I'd rather be able to feel it a little bit so I know what I can and, can and can't do. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so you haven't had a painkilling injection when, since when? In a game? Yeah. Oh, since 2009. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you wouldn't want one? No. For the rest of your career? No. Even if it was finals, is it situational? Um, Grand final uh, half-time. Yes, maybe, maybe grand final yeah. half-time prelim. It's it's different, but I'm not a – yeah, it's just – I've been lucky that I haven't been in the situation though very often where I've yeah. had to make that choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and injuries this week, we'll touch on this quickly. Jamie Elliott's out. Um, uh, Daniel Wells also. He's a big loss for you, Elliot, because he's been in great form. How are you going to reshape that forward line? Um, well, it's up to the coaches how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't but been playing very well. Who? Jamie Wells, Elliott. Oh, Wellsy yeah, yeah. and well, both, all, yeah. all the guys that are going out have been yep. playing really good footy for us. So, yep. yeah. And, you know, the VFL side had a good win on the weekend. And I know it's a cliche, but three guys go out. There's three guys that, you know, Tommy Langdon might back, be back for his first run in footy in 18 months. So he'll be thrilled if he gets the opportunity. Mm. And, you know, um, Son and Gavin might get his first game, which would be great. So um, Is he ready? I really rate him. I think he's yeah. a tremendous player and... I was laughing the other day. I said, if you were playing for Melbourne this week and you lined up on Cal, it, it seriously looks like a 15-year-old lining up <laughs> out there. So he, he did the trip, didn't he? he yeah, he came over. Yeah. And I think that's um, – I remember when I was in my first year making the trip over to the team, knowing I wasn't going to play. Um, you're there as an emergency, but very unlikely that you play. It's a great experience for a first-year guy just to see what happens. Mind you, nothing much happens, but, you know, play a bit of table tennis yeah. with the boys and just get around us. Have you been keeping an eye on Kale Kirby? Kale had, yeah, a, yeah. had a I, massive game on the weekend. Six yeah. goals, high tackle pressure. Yeah, he was good on the weekend. He's, yeah. he's a freakish goal-kicking talent. Yeah, he had some – We um, as we do every week, the, the VFL, we see a bit of their stuff in, in a review and um, – make sure that the young guys and, and whatnot get acknowledged for performances that, that they were doing. That said, I think when he was drafted, he was an eyebrow raiser because you knew he was a long way behind um, behind the ball in terms of his fitness and a big question mark whether he was going to be able to adapt to the AFL uh, disciplines. That is where he had to come a long way. So while he's kicking these ones from the boundary and taking these marks and he's a wrecking ball on field, a lot of stuff behind the scenes where he needs to... Still do a lot of work. Yeah, I, I still think there's a bit of work for him to go before he'll be pushing up. But he's certainly he's getting closer. Yeah, you can't ignore. Do you think good he could, performances? Could he make his debut this year? Yeah, certainly could. I guess that takes us to the scrapping of the beep test in the in the draft testing. How important do you think those kind of tests? Zero. Don't rate the beep test. Don't rate the draft testing. Full stop. Why is that? Well, what, are we drafting players or athletes? Do you think you're going to pick someone because they do a quick twenty meter sprint test? I remember Brad Hill did a near-record three-kilometre time trial and and was talking to... But would the they have known... Recruiters would know that from just watching him play that this guy can run. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it like, does. Oh, wow, we found out about Brad Hill today. Like, geez, he can run. Recruiters say, <laughs> recruiters say it sort of uh, vindicates what they what they already suspected or already I like I, I like the NBA model What's where that? players opt surprise. out. Massive players, surprise. Players opt out, so... You know, whoever the number one draft pick is this year, you can meet him. You can go have a meeting with him. Fultz. But he doesn't have to do any testing. 
And it's Kevin over. Durant said this, because if you um, are a top prospect, you can potentially uh, jeopardise your standing yeah, yeah. a little bit because if, all, if you have a bad test or yeah. it doesn't go as well as you hope, you actually bring your, can bring your stock down. I wonder if you do, do a hammy, rip your hammy off the bone doing the 20-meter test. So if you, if you were a draftee now, what if, just a fair point. What if just reduce any chance you have of hurting yourself? Yeah. If you were a draftee now, would you consider not doing it? Uh, well, I think you have to do it, don't you, with the, how it's set up, but... Eventually, it will get to a stage so. where I think managers will say to top-end talent that they don't need to do it. Oh, g'day, Buck. The coach has just walked in. he is. He's just walked walks in. in the middle How of the show. He, he could Go sense well. it was on. Going well. Oh, now I have to make an edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Good to see Nathan. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, he's getting very comfortable around this show, isn't uh, he? He is. He's We're going to have to get him on when he's not doing his um, gigs on uh, Footy Classified. Hey, um, just taking over. Hey, uh, mental health and footy, we're just going to wrap up but before or getting towards the end of the show. Um, it was discussed as a very serious issue this week, and for me it was a watershed week. Um, obviously, with uh, Alex Vasolo taking a short break from the game, he might play against Melbourne on, on Monday, but then it led to this whole discussion, a whole week-long discussion where you know mistakes were made and very good articles were written. Patrick Dangerfield, for example, talking about his issue in, what, 2013 or 14, his struggles, his melancholy... Melancholy, and if you sort of think, well, if he's the number one player in the game and he doubted himself for a significant period, then it's probably quite normal for um, all players. And for me, from a journalistic point of view, it has made me think about... And media, like media, like you do, like you obviously journal, but from the media say that you get as well, I think it, you'd look at it differently now. Yeah, yeah I have, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think you really uh, reassess... I mean, the sort of negative stuff or um, the criticism I level at players or teams throughout the week, um, you know, just whether that's fair and whether it's constructive and whether yeah. sort of potting a player unnecessarily, the ramifications of that. And I, it, that's definitely made me um, uh, think a lot about that. And it's also put on, into the spotlight media accountability too. Um, you know, we, we do need to be very careful and very cautious of, well, of what we say. I asked about accountability a long time ago to you and said what happens if you were to write a poor article or do something poor and I think you said like there wasn't too much accountability in the well, media no, ranks I, think, well, I think we are because I mean every article I wrote goes in the Herald Sun it goes in 400,000 editions and then he's seen by up to a million eyeballs every day who, who else's work yeah. uh, he gets that sort of scrutiny does the accountability come more from the, pu- thought, from the public or in, internal well, both it's backlash um, I would like to think it's we have ba- hot- it's backlash but you don't you know, you don't get suspended for a week if you write a poor article or... No. I think we now, try and have high I think, standards. I think it was Paddy Dangerfield on one of the footy shows, might have been Footy Classified, spoke about it brilliantly yep. in what he said, that if a player like Tom Hawkins, that vision's going to get shown of him jumper punching now, he's the pin-up boy for it. And yep. every time you mention Tom Hawkins, that's going to get mentioned with him. But say for someone like Robbo who did that tweet, mm-hmm. it's not brushed, aso- brushed aside, but... It, you sort of he addressed it he apologised I think he said he's going to write Faz a letter and apologise so then it's just sort of on with it mm-hmm. and like from players point of view you just it's sort of like where's the accountability there like why hasn't he been dealt with a bit harsher and that's that's up to you know his bosses and things like that but, but as, how- as Danger said that you know players players are role models but I think like people in the media are also role models now and that's what they've got to get their head around, that they are role models and, um, you know, Robbo's got a big following and Jared's got a big following and 
you know, what they say has impact on people. A responsibility. What, what do you and think? that's everybody in, in the media. What do you think that the repercussion needs to be a suspension? As players, we're not going to sit there and analyse the media and say, oh, he should get a one-week suspension yeah. for this. But, yeah, I, just, like, I think our accountability levels are a lot, lot higher. It certainly made the whole industry um, sit up and, and think about things this week. Just before we finish, or you've got some stuff there, Coco. The NBA, so you said uh, the Warriors would uh, steamroll the Cavs, sweep them 16-0, first team in history to do it, better than MJ's Bulls. They're currently up 2-0 over the Cavs. Is it playing out how you thought it would? Um, oh, game two was interesting. I think it's the quickest pace that LeBron James has ever played in, in a game in his finals career. I think early, I thought... Are they running and gunning against the Warriors? Because this is just a death wish. Cause Crazy. You, yep. like they, they're going to outscore you anyway. and um, Yeah, and it ended up going that way. And Steph Curry is, is clearly injury-free opposed to last year. Last year he could barely move, and now he's showing the world why he's you know, one of the best two or three players in the world. What is hot, Scotty? Um, what's hot for me is Nick Del Sano. I think his transition into the media, and he's openly said that he wishes he was still playing footy, but I think he's... Is there like some sort of rising star award that you can get in, <laughs> in, in the media? media? I don't yeah. know. Is there? Yeah, yeah, there is. But I think it's like, more have for to, the younger types. But he would have to be immoral as like a ex footballer going into the media. He speaks so well. Yep. Um, I listened to him talk about was it I don't know. It was on open mic or it was on um, something about Andrew Swallow. How he spoke about his comments and yep. he was so good about how he said, you know, I'm talking about Andrew Swallow here as a footballer. I'm not talking about him as a person. So it's not a character assassination. It's talking about his performance on the field. I think that's really important for the viewers out there to understand that. You know, when you say such and such has had a bad game, you're not saying they're a poor bloke. You're saying their football on the weekend was not up to standard. But you know, I've had guys from other clubs that have walked in the door here that you think, oh, like I don't know about this bloke. He's a bit, I'm unsure. And he walks in. It's one of the better blokes you've ever met in footy. So, yeah. Talk, can um, you give us an example? No. <laughs> um, and then for me, what's not hot? Yep. And I think what's dead is the jumper punch after Tom Hawkins. Yeah. Which I think is, is a good thing. I think Alan Richardson said it, I suppose. You don't like to have black and, right, black and white rules in footy, but if you just said you can't punch, otherwise you're getting a week, no one's going to do it. You can't argue it. It's gone. Yep. But as I said, there's a lot more harder hits that happen in a game of footy than a little jumper punch. Mm. So It's just going to be the first time someone, a big-name midfielder who's a chance of the brown low gets rubbed out and then it's really going to be put under the microscope. Yeah, is yeah, the yeah. game gone soft, etc. That's that, a that's, bit of a merry-go-round like that's, that we run. That's an external yeah. thing because missing out on the brown though doesn't mean a hell of a lot to players. It's missing out on a game. And you know, ones if, ones if say Geelong this week were in a position where they needed to win this game of football to make finals, or at the end of the year they miss out on finals by four points. That's what they come back to, like. So yeah, it's internally it's all about missing that game of football. What's up for me uh, is Damien Hardwick. Now, this is a bloke who was under enormous pressure at the end of last year. We all uh, uh, theorised whether he's going to get the flick or not. He's reinvented Richmond's coaching style. Um, and when you talk about who is going to coach Australia and, and you guys, uh, Scotty, at the end of the year in the International Rules Series, I don't know that it's going to be Clark. I mean, he is respected as probably the best coach in the game, but whether that baton might be passed to someone like a Hardwick or a Ken Hinckley. Well, I checked out. There's no hard and fast rules. They oh, just okay. get to make it up. Yeah, right. Um, so it uh, it possibly won't be Clarko. But don't you think Hardwick has been um, 
I think he's been flexible in his um, thinking over the preseason, changing a lot of things at Richmond. And I think uh, a credit to him. Um, Coco, I know you've got lots of uh, social engagement there. What's um, not? What's not? Um, oh, he doesn't have one there. There's a lot of blank on that paper. No, I, I had one, but no, I'm actually not going to go with it now. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> prediction? Let's do a prediction on Thursday night footy. Yep. Bulldogs. Sydney. Jeez, you love the Bulldogs. I think the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs are extraordinary value. I can't believe they're outsiders for this. I think that we should beat Sydney. Always talking value. Yeah. Well, it's con- it provides context and relatively relativity. Well, I think the game will be decided by less than a goal. I'm going to go a two-way tie in this year's Brownlow medal. A Ooh. Dangerfield-Selwood tie. Beautiful. Um, nice. I don't think that's ever it's happened before. Early. Um <laughs> Gone early. That's yeah. big. Brownlow yeah. next week. So it is. This is huge. Yeah, uh, pretty cool, wouldn't it? Imagine two guys on the same table winning it. I think it would be awesome. <laughs> they um, get up and hug each other. Might and then need they both walk up, kiss each hand. other, hug each other. I had that go. Might need a Dusty Martin um, injury. I know how you love the tweets. Um, the first one was an interesting one. I don't know what you think about this, Scotty, but uh, Julian Greening asked Jay who he barracks for. Oh, see, I keep this. Cut, uh, Jay put nothing out. The these. little emoji with the zippy line through the mouth. Yeah, nothing. I, I keep my you, cards close to who, my who chest. Do you for? Who do you barrack for? I, oh, this is the. Um, this yeah. is my honest answer. You don't go right? for Carl Richmond. I, I support. Um, don't say the AFL right now. No, I actually support the people in the industry who I've oh, had something on. to do with and I like. So Jeez. I. In particular, if I've known the guys since they've been drafted, I just like seeing players do well who I have. So you do individual players. So basically, I cheer for the player rather than you're like an NBA fan of the AFL who like follow players, not teams. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Yeah. that's fine. What happens if you got like two of your favourite little players are playing on each other? You hope they both go well, and I can manage. I can manage my emotions in that situation. Well, we know Pendles is the top of the heap. But I don't don't mind that. I don't mind that um, people don't know. I think it is a good thing that people largely don't know who I barrack for. I think that's fantasy footy has created all that as well. Like no, a that's lot been of, my view before fantasy footy came on. No, but I think a lot of pl- a lot of people out there now they still go for a side, but they watch a lot of footy and they get after players. Like people tweet me after most games, thanking me for a super coach score or getting into <laughs> me for a super coach score or a dream team score or whatnot. So, yep. so I couldn't give a about that. <laughs> a rat's toss bag. Yeah, give, it, yeah. give us some of your favourites. Can uh, you do that? No. Can you give us? You want? You're even fair. keeping your favourite secret. Yeah. Jesus, don't uh, reveal too much too soon. Uh, we got one from Patrick, who's right around our podcast, but he's hanging to see uh, when we get Joe Ingles on the podcast, which we have been promising for a long time. And I propose this: what if it's a race to get Joe Ingles? Can we can we do that between the two of you, Jay and Scott? A race to see who I'll can get Joe like Ingles if he wants to come on for ten fifteen minutes, yeah, and have but, a chat. Are you going to ask him this year or, said, yeah, or the next year's I podcast? I didn't know this or? year ends next week. <laughs> Was it? We, we, you know the Hawthorne tried to was it Hawthorne yeah, tried, tried to, recruit? to recruit him? Yeah, and we'll talk to him about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got one from Luke who uh, told us something that Chappelle missed out on yep. the hashtag from last week that was huge. Uh, Chappelle missed out on uh, Richmond's plethora of finals wins. <laughs> bit <laughs> bit, bit nope. harsh that one. Nope. Uh, Martin said that uh, she missed out on the 2010 grand final. Uh, Pendles, did. you didn't. Bianca Chatfield, two bibs and a bro, uh, which is her and Sarah Allen's uh, podcast. And 
David said uh, Julian DeStoop not knowing the NBA winners, yes. Paddy Mills and Aaron Baines coming up and interrupting that his good. piece. That was camera. quite funny. That was yeah. good. You Great don't, fella, Jules. You don't live that down, though, do you? He's a good fella. No. Yep. You're going – what do you reckon the feeling is? Have you ever – I'm not sure if you've been in the situation, Jay, but you're heading back to the office knowing that you've missed something massive. <laughs> the, the dread of walking in there, especially yep. working in the Fox, Fox Sports studios. Yeah, it can be a bit of a disaster. I remember working at the Fremantle West Coast game in Perth when there was the um, sledge and very unfortunate sort of story where – was it um, Adam Selwood sledged um, Des Headland and it did blow up and become a huge issue for the industry but um, I'm, we missed that story that night um, and it blew up massively. How's the boss happy? Not happy? Wasn't happy. <laughs> Not happy. <laughs> Fair to say. You can't get them all. And that's it. That's all we, that's all we have. You were looking back at me like I had more. Uh, no, that's it from the people this Who's week. Who's your favourite commentator? Oh, oh. Can you say this? What do you mean? Like, as in? Uh, AFL caller or AFL commentator. Um... I like, well, as I said, I like Nick Delsano. I like his opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Dunstall, mm-hmm. he's very astute. Yep. Um, and then he ne- calling... put Mayo on. Never puts Mayo nah, on. No, he he's very realistic yeah. and you can yeah. tell he's very, very intelligent when he talks. I really love listening to him. Um, John O'Brown I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and calling, calling games, probably um, Bruce. I like Bruce. Um, Big Eduardo. He's good. Gets like excited. He yeah. pumps it up. I like the guys that pump it up. Yeah, well, well like it just Ed shows that they're actually they're passionate about it. Yeah. So yeah, um, Anthony Hudson. He did our game. Seen his um, ticket on the way home, sitting in one A. The big fella, a lot of little fella, sitting in one A. Needs a leg room. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Thanks so much for listening on the Jog and Journo Jeez, show. Pump it up. Good luck on Monday, uh, Scotty. Thanks, It'll mate. be a uh, massive game. It's you... my technically my old mob that I used to support. Yeah. Lucky Brad Green's not out there. You feel like you've turned the corner as a footy team? Um, we're probably still on the corner. One game out of the finals, a win over Melbourne would could catapult you back in the eight. After then we have a, a bye. Uh, we could go into the eight and then fall out of the eight because we have a bye. So the ladder doesn't mean much at this time of the year, flat. does it? Great effort from uh, one. Stop bringing start to reality the into it. <laughs> exactly. In the fantasy. Coco, thanks for your help there, mate, with that uh, keyboard there and all your technical wizardry. Scotty, good luck on the weekend. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Jock and Journal Show. Thank you.